Hello, everybody. Welcome to Two Guys Five Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasper. This is Frank Pelicoon. You're listening to episode 186, and tonight is one of our Fresh Five episodes. For those of you that may have never heard one of these episodes, this is where Frank gives his top five films that he's watched in roughly the past six months and gives his top five regardless of genre or year release. Um, So roughly this is covering January through June of this year. Um, And we, you know, Frank always does two a year for us. Um, so Frank, uh, what have you thought of like what you've seen in the past six months, just generally before you get into what you liked? So there used to be a time when I just watched movies cause I, I loved watching movies and I'd find something like, Oh, this movie sounds amazing. And I really want to watch it. And now I have to watch so much garbage, like on purpose that it, <laughs> I don't know. Uh huh. I don't really have the same, um, I still love watching movies, and I actually do enjoy watching the garbage movies a lot of times. Um, as I'm actually considering putting Batman and Robin right now on my uh, my max watch list, um, but uh, it's it's just different, like because I and the funny thing is, is like we don't even do oh and oh I I am definitely putting Shaquille O'Neal's Steel on my watch list. <laughs> um, we don't even like do like the main like top five movies podcast nearly as much as we used to yes first one that's not one of the horror lists yeah i'm not like necessarily watching um a lot of like movies for the podcast but i feel like i'm always watching movies for the podcast um so i don't know so when i find something that's That's weird i feel like i'm never watching movies for the podcast for some reason i know that's because because i don't make you watch them right yeah because right. I got to watch like six movies every week yeah. so I can weave a narrative of horror. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're like overall, like, you know, we never really talked about this, like, you know, on air or anything, but it's like, yeah, we're in like a little bit of a, I think a flux, like, like stage as we, as we approach 200, you know, in terms of like what we're doing in the future and stuff like that. Um, I guess it's uh, probably all right for me to mention what we're doing in the next couple of months. Right, Frank? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't care. Um, uh, that, um, I talked to Frank and, uh, after we did Superman, um, uh, which I realized I mistakenly said 35 year anniversary, not 45 year anniversary. Cause I don't want to admit that I'm old, but, uh, we are going to do a summer of steel, um, where in August and September, we're going to continue our kind of journey through the movies that feature Superman through the years. And over the next two months, uh, go ahead and continue with Superman two, three, four, Superman returns, man of steel and Superman and Batman kind of split up over episodes as it is fit or apt. Um, <clears throat> well then you definitely have to watch, um, steel. Steel? Yeah. What? Steel, the Shaquille O'Neal movie? <laughs> it's no. a super it's a Superman movie. What? Is Superman in it? it is he a is, featured character? He is Superman. What? Yes, how do you not know this? I don't know anything about this when, bullshit. When in the comic continuity when Superman was killed by Doomsday, Superman was simultaneously resurrected as several different Supermen. And one of those supermen that he was simultaneously resurrected as was Steel. What year is this movie? 
I don't know. I'm, I'm already like 17. <laughs> like, like past that. All right. I'll, I'll figure it out. Like we'll probably pair it with Superman returns in some way. 98. Fine. That's my guess. Okay. All right. So that's right. So that's the kind of will be the, uh, the, the gap movie that like, uh, between Superman four and Superman returns. So I'll throw it in there. Fine. That's a screw job, Frank. You're fucking me over. Have you um, ever seen steel? No. Well, you're in for a treat. <laughs> um, all right. So we got it out of the way. You don't. I'm surprised you don't. Anymore. I'm really surprised you don't remember this. I remember the movie. No, I mean like the comic event. Oh uh, well, no, I didn't pay attention to that shit. Like there was like Cyborg Superman, and then Steel was like Black Superman. From like the other side of the track, people and... no, people didn't care about that shit. So there was no controversy today. Like you know, it would get you know, they the the Republicans would try to cancel like the comic if they did that. Like, um, and then I would know about it because well, Superman's son is gay. So yeah, somehow that didn't gain much traction. But that's because the comics were awful. Mm. All right, so um, what um. There... So there were a few like horror movies that I found recently yeah. um, that either they didn't make the list because I watched them too late, or they didn't make the list because um, I want to like save them for something else. But um, there's one in particular that I just watched recently um, that I don't know if it's ever going to make any other lists, but it is called um, "There's Nothing Out There," which is a '92 um, horror comedy. That I think Wes Craven ripped off slightly for Scream. Hmm. Um, it's about a kid that like is obsessed with um, horror videotapes and uses the rules of horror movies to dictate like the things that he does in his life, like how he interacts with other people and how he views yeah. the world and stuff. I mean, it's it's not like Scream in the sense of you know like the storyline of Scream, but just in that kind of setup for it. Um, the other thing I kind of want to talk about, and this is like the anti-Fresh Five, um, is a movie that I was super hyped for, which is Bo is Afraid, the Jacqueline Phoenix, um, Ari Aster movie, yeah. um, came out, uh, beginning in April, I guess. Some really beautiful stuff in it, but, like, like the Heaven's Gate of horror, I guess, is what I think I described it to you. It's just mm-hmm. like three hours long and bloated and just like he need he needed an editor and he didn't have one and it was it's a movie where I, I i think that if you really like ari aster you should watch it if you have the chance to watch it for free yeah. at some point um just to see like the visuals and it'll probably take you three or four times to get through it i think um i paid twenty dollars to purchase it because i thought i would like it and i was um pretty sorely disappointed in general um but i mean like it has some interesting concepts jacqueline phoenix is really fantastic in it mm-hmm. like it's a it's a pretty incredible role on his part but unfortunately it's not enough to carry oh. uh, this podcast apparently it's not <laughs> enough to carry um the three-hour runtime of the movie so i had to one of these five movies man i know i'm, I'm already tired uh. We can't talk about one and then food and then break. <laughs> <laughs> okay, got it. 
we're gonna start fitting some food chat in, like you know, between each movie, just to just keep us keep us going. Um, there's another one I did watch that you told me to watch. It was kind of after you created your list, though. Um, Older Gods. No, oh, yeah, that's a good movie. I forgot about that. Um, even though you asked me to talk about it, <laughs> I'd already forgotten. Um, yeah, so it was. I just I found it because it was a buck ninety nine to rent. And um, there was something about the thumbnail that kind of intrigued me. And so I watched the trailer and I thought the trailer was pretty good. And I actually found it to be. um, For being what I assume was like super low budget, uh, really effective, um, kind of Lovecraftian cosmic horror movie. Mm -hmm. Um, It it reminded me of The Kill List a little bit, which is a movie you and I both saw in the past couple of years. We liked a lot. Mm -hmm. It also was kind of reminiscent of men to me a little um yeah and maybe that's so. just the isolated like english you know british countryside aspect of it um and it also reminded me of a, a pretty underrated um found footage movie called banshee banshee chapter i think is that what it's called anyway it's this found footage horror movie that's kind of like about experimentation on people and stuff hmm. um but it had elements of all that and a little bit of the void I felt, which is one of my favorite horror movies of the past like several years. So, I thought for being a small movie with like no fanfare whatsoever that I just kind of randomly came across that it was um it was pretty entertaining and um had some really effective stuff in it. Yeah, he um I looked him up a little bit. Uh, the director writer director's name is David A. Roberts, and he um has a few shorts under his belt, but he has like thousands of commercials that he's either directed or produced and stuff like that. Um, but this is his first feature, and I thought it was pretty impressive overall for a first feature that, yeah, I've never heard about, and I don't know if I ever would have heard about it. Um, so I think it's, even if it didn't make your list, I think it's worth, um, kind of recommending for people. Uh, I think it only comes in at, like, an hour and 20. Oh, it's short, yeah. It it, it still felt, to me, that's, it still felt like there wasn't quite enough material for that hour and 20. It's almost like you're stretching it to get it to a feature, that's funny. Um, I I actually feel that it's completely fully formed in that hour and twenty, and that's all that it needed. Yeah, I felt it was stretched, and like there's some stuff in the in the middle that just kind of just just is kind of there. Um, but mm-hmm. I still was really impressed with uh, the filmmaking in it. I thought that like there was definitely some legitimately creepy stuff, and I really thought that it followed the kind of Lovecraftian cosmic concepts really well like um it should be a really boring movie with the voiceover from whatever like the representative of the elder god like you know talking in his head kind of but um it it actually creates a lot of uh, good tension and uh from a kind of emotional standpoint it's really fully formed i think like you said like you know in terms of like uh, the character and his history so i definitely think it's like worth checking out especially for like the short run time um for somebody who yeah it's somebody i I see what he does next i'll watch it right it's funny because it's movies like that that um really are the genesis point for the fresh five in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. um if you if you if you think about it what was it? it was clove hitch killer i think was really um one of the first movies that we that i watched that i had you watch that kind of was the like spark for that idea yeah i think so like, here's this movie that we had never heard of and um just kind of you know 
seemed appealing. There's a movie now that's um, which is recently like added to Prime to rent called um Sisu, mm-hmm. which is about this um commando like basically going after this huge Nazi death squad to try and get his gold back because they stole his gold. And he's sort of like this like Eastern European Captain America and that, that kinda looks cool. Okay. Um Do you remember the movie Becky with Kevin James? No. It's about Kevin James is the leader of like a gang of outlaws that breaks into this house um, where they've hidden like some kind of gold or something. I can't remember what exactly he's after, Mm. but um, they murder the family that's in there. But the little girl um, ends up like killing him and like killing all of them. Mm. Like she's got like these preternatural like combat skills. Mm-hmm. So there's now a sequel um, several years later about her, like, um, trying to adjust and, like, trying to not, like, live this, like, life of a killer called The Wrath of Becky. Okay. Um, so that just came out, and that seems pretty interesting. Hmm. Um, I think that uh, Oppenheimer definitely has potential to be a Fresh Five-style movie. Sure. Um, although that's not necessarily, like, a hidden gem, so to speak. Right. Which is kind of more what I look at the fresh five of being. Yeah. Um, and then I told you before we got on the air, there's a um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus movie that just released um, called You Hurt My Feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, which looks like it's an A24 film, but it looks like it's pretty pretty entertaining too. So, so those are all things that are possible for, uh, you know, for future Spinchigrins maybe. The one that we do when I come back from Thailand, I guess. Probably the next one that we'll be doing. Yeah, right? we'll do one in December, I suppose. Like, um, yeah. Or no, we did it in January this year, so we'll do it next January. Right? Oh, well, it's the end. Those, all these, all those movies I just mentioned will probably be... Although, oh, we yeah. talked about several movies. There's a couple of older horror movies that have recently been remastered and re-released um, that I'm sort of... I'm super excited. I think I'm going to watch this weekend because I don't really have anything else to watch. Um, and those are possibilities too. So those are like, you know, 30, 40 years old. Do you, um, let's see, can I ask you, uh, is, are some of those ones coming up on Shutter or something right now? Is that... There's actually two of them that are up on Shutter right now okay. that are movies that I've never been able to watch yeah. before. So, um, yeah, I was going to ask you about those the other night when I saw them up and, um, it was late and I try not to bother you unless I get too drunk with them. Um, late at the very late night but um i go to bed so early anymore that i tend to be up in the middle of the night just as an fyi mm. so gotcha but yeah so there's are I mean, off okay uh i mean either uh, otherwise i'm just asleep and you're not right. bothering me you're mm-hmm. not gonna wake me up no uh, more than anyone from work or any whatever right. oh let's see here so any more that you wanted to mention no, i think that's it okay um yeah, just there's stuff that I mean, there's movies that are upcoming that I don't know. Maybe they'll be good, but um, we'll see. Right. So yeah. Uh, let's see. All right. So let me get to my damn list. All right. Too many tabs open. All right. So uh, number five on your list is 2023's Consecration, which is currently I think it's a Shutter exclusive, right? Um, so, yeah. It's on Shutter. Uh, it's directed by Christopher Smith. It stars Jenna Malone, 
Uh, Danny Houston and Janet Suzman. It has a 42% from critics on Round Tomatoes and a 32% from audiences. So you want to tell us a little bit about this and why you liked it so much? This is uh, this is the only controversy pick <laughs> of this list. The movie of that Frank enjoyed that Chris did not enjoy. Uh, yeah. Um, so- I guess it's... Uh, I I think of it as a supernatural horror superhero film, but I know that you don't quite share that same interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, a woman who's a what is she like? She's a psychiatrist or a nurse, I guess. Um, who finds out that her priest brother has been killed, and she has to go um to kind of like reconcile with the body. Um, you sort of learn through just various like. Um, flashbacks and bits of dialogue that she's like a religious and in a lot of ways kind of like aggressively anti-religious um, due to her upbringing um, which again through the course of like flashbacks starts out seeming like she was just part of like a really fanatical um, Christian family and then gradually as the story progresses you learn that there's something a lot more sinister to it um there's a sect of um, Catholics who are like, um, I don't know what you call them, like real, um, not fanatical, but like uh, extremists, like almost like doomsday cult-esque nuns right. um, who seem to believe that she's like the uh, the catalyst for some sort of like supernatural, like religious event. Um, and so over the course of the movie, you get these different like layers that are peeled back, kind of revealing, um, her nature and her, uh, her origin. And then also like the origin of her family and her brother and this religious cult, um, time is out of joint several times in the movie, like as shown, like during, um, like as the events of the movie are like transpiring, where eventually what you learn is uh, she is basically like the Antichrist, kind of, or at least some semblance of a um, uh, resurrected, or, yeah, like, she's like a demon incarnate of some kind. Um, And what the cult is trying to do is to get her to willingly go into this um, tomb prison that she was imprisoned in for a long time and seal herself up so um, she won't have to, so that she can just be, like, trapped and alone and won't, like, influence the world. Um, But it kind of, like, triggers her to turn, like, truly evil, and then she basically kills everybody. Um, And you find out at the end that she um, was potentially, like, involved in, like, all these murders in the past, too, and kind of had repressed it. And really sort of through her own, like, desire to just be a normal person had like kind of pushed down these supernatural abilities um but at the end it's kind of looks like she's back to embracing those things and using her powers for evil kind of um so tonally in that respect it reminded me a lot of another movie that i really enjoy this kind of um hit or miss with some people which is brightburn um which is 100 percent like a supernatural like superhero <laughs> horror movie right um i really enjoyed the performances in this movie i thought the direction was fantastic 
um in particular the cinematography like i thought it really had a very a very good blend of like old style hammer-esque like filmmaking with kind of a modern sensibility attached to it um i love i mean you always like accuse me of this i when religious horror works for me it's like there's something special about it because i think that it's um i i I think they hide the fact that she's like you kind of know there's something like wrong with her but you also think that the antagonists are that the nuns are trying to bring that evil out of her for some reason agreed almost like a doomsday cult when Mm -hmm. in reality they're just taking extreme measures to try and suppress it right um so yeah i don't know i mean i thought it was a really entertaining movie um i thought it went by pretty quickly i love the performances um i would actually not mind seeing a sequel where it's like almost like an action comedy horror maybe where like the vatican sends like some kind of like sanctified SWAT team or something to take her down and her like just like murdering people with her mind or whatever but Mm. yeah I thought it was really effective and I thought that even though I like again even though you know there's something wrong with her I think it like played its cards close enough to the vest long enough where it was still an interesting reveal when she's like that look of her face when she's inside that tomb and she's looking around and she's like what the fuck like they're trying to trap me here like I'm trying to help them out, and this is what they're doing. Like they're not trying to save me. Mm. And then um, when she like pops back up and just kills the the priest, it's um it's pretty awesome. So, and a nice homage I thought to the omen in that that right. scene. So so yeah. Uh yeah, I thought the performances were really good in this. Um, from the three principals of Malone and Houston and um Susman, who played like the like main nun, um. I just thought that the, and I don't even necessarily disagree with you in terms of like why you like it. I just felt like it never got out of first gear and it was just slow and draggy. And you said it kind of went by fast for you and went by real slow for me. That's it. Like, I just, it was like, and you mentioned hammer too. And it's like, right. I, and I think that's like a key difference with us is like you have you love those movies and have a, a deep reverence for them and like I I don't and I can find depending on the different movie I can find those things to be really slow and like burdensome in terms of watching them um and I I don't I didn't feel burdened by this but I definitely felt like its length um which isn't very long and Again, it just like never kicked into that second gear where I was like really intrigued or interested for me, and that's it. I mean, I didn't think it was a bad movie necessarily, um, despite like what I say to you, like all fair, like you know about this one of Franken's fucking religious movies. Um, but like you know, I mean, it's me overselling. But um, you know, it it actually now that I think about it, it, it reminded me of another movie that you're not a huge fan of mm-hmm. that I love, which is um Blood on Satan's Claw. Yeah. Um, just in know. the the setting kind of although this takes place in the modern day um the setting in like the the cinematography in general yeah i can see that yep <clears throat> yeah and and then even blood on sands claw i remember i liked a lot of the cinematography in it and like the way it was filmed and stuff like that it was just like okay yeah. like um 
Yeah, so that kind of like, and, and I, I like kind of demon possession stuff more than you do. Like ultimately, I think. Um, right, I'm not a fan of that so much. I think that's really boring. Yeah. Like she's not possessed by a demon; she is a demon, which yeah, is more right. interesting yeah. Yeah. to me. Sure. Yeah. Or something like like the omen. Like I love the omen. I think far more than than you sure. do. Oh yes. <laughs> and a hundred percent because I really like number one. I just there's scenes in that movie that are like some of the best horror horror scenes ever filmed. Mm-hmm. But I just I love the personification of evil in a person that initially appears innocent. Like I think that's a. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really effective tool. And so, like, if I say, like, a Hammer movie and you mark out, then this is the movie for you. And if you're like, oh, my God, what a slog, then you're not going to like this movie. So, yeah. Um, But I really loved it. And I was really impressed. And I'm excited to see what else this dude does. Uh, He's what? We know this guy, right? Yeah. Um, He's done something else that I've. A couple things, maybe. That we've. Oh, so he did uh, Creep was his first movie that we just talked about um what two months ago oh yeah and triangle and severance right um and triangle is one of those movies i watched it again recently because it was on somewhere and i can't remember like it was on some channel that like you know horror channel that like just happened to be on and um there's elements of that movie that i like even though ultimately i did not like it um there are elements that i i thought were okay so i mean yeah, this guy's kind of like a mixed bag with me. I've never... And you liked... Did you say you liked Black Death? Black Death is decent. Yeah. It um, looks really good. All right, we talked it's about also it. It's also... Bla- right? Yeah. What, Black Death? No, 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 sorry. It was that 2004 podcast, because we talked about The Banishing as well. And yeah. We, yeah, right. Uh, Black Death is... um. It's not like the greatest movie ever, but it's interesting just because um, Sean Bean's in it and he's a good performance. It looks really good and it was shot chronologically, which is like kind of crazy when you watch it to think that like every scene was shot in chronological order. Yeah. Yeah, that is wild. Well, he's fairly young. He's only 51, so I'm sure he's he'll be putting out more stuff. Well, if this is what he's going to put out, then I'm, you know, I'm good with it. So, word. All right, so uh, number four on your list is Teen and Tina from 2023. It is directed by Ruben Stein. Um, it stars Melina Smith, Jamie Laurente, uh, Carlos Gonzalez Moronion, um, and <laughs> I more more o Morion Morion Yeah, see, I, my uh, phonetic pronunciation of that was off when I typed it. Um, and then Anastasia Russo, um, has 50% from critics and a 19% from audiences. Yeah, that um, makes sense. <laughs> so you want to, you want to tell us a little bit about this one and, uh, why I made the list. So this is a movie that's on the list, not because I loved it or, or I thought it was like great, but just because I thought it was one of the more daring movies I've seen in a few mm. years. Mm-hmm. In the sense that, like, number one is kind of a tricky topic, and number two, like, I thought there was a lot of really interesting, like, visual stuff in it, where it kind of stopped, like, necessarily following a strong narrative and kind of just forced you to make assumptions about what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's this young 
attractive um, couple in Spain in the 80s, uh, Lola and Adolfo. Um, during their wedding, uh, Lola has a miscarriage, and it's revealed that she cannot have children anymore. So, um, still like a loving couple, they decide to adopt. Um, they go to a um, convent orphanage that's near their home. Um, which is this really, like, beautiful estate in, like, the countryside of Spain. Um, and they meet these albino children who are, um, I don't know if angelic is the right word, but they're, um, they have an, an, an undefinable ethereal quality to them. Yes. Um, that really appeals to, uh, Lola. And she wants to adopt them. So even despite um, her husband's misgivings, uh, they decide to adopt these two children. So immediately it's apparent that the two kids are really out of touch with the reality of life and have this almost um, actually very similar to the the, congr- the convent in a... Um, consecration they have this weird like hyper fixation on the literal interpretation of the bible mm-hmm. um and a hyper fixation on like seeing god um so there's a scene early on where uh tina puts a sack over her brother's face and basically chokes him out like suffocates him so he can see god um and they do the same thing to uh, lola at one point and so as like Adolfo, both parents kind of go back and forth on not really being sure about the kids. Um, until at one point, the kids see, what is it, Dracula on TV? Or they, they see Nosferatu, right? Nosferatu, yeah. And, and they start, they become obsessed with the idea of, like, the resurrection. Um, and through the lens of their, like, limited scope, you know, of like their upbringing in a completely like enclosed religious environment. Um, they murder the family dog, um, in the thought that that dog is then going to like rise again, but of course it doesn't. Um, so Lola, even though like she was supposedly unable to become pregnant, becomes pregnant. Um, and they have a baby, which is, um, unexpected. And then the two kids start the teen and Tina start to become neglected. Um, and then ultimately it kind of devolves into the parents wanting to get rid of teen and Tina, especially after a, um, an incident where, um, they try to baptize the new baby in the pool and almost kill the baby. Um, so they take them back to the convent. Um, I guess like they return them, uh, and then the two kids. So, so this is my question to you. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it's ever really, ever really a hundred percent established that those two kids went to the house and caused him to die? No. Because you think that maybe they snuck out of the convent and came back. So there's a thunderstorm one night. And no, I don't I don't think it's established at all. What happens is that Adolfo 
is going to fix the antenna, I guess. And next thing you know, Adolfo is on fire, like dying in the middle of the living room and his blazing corpse. And this is like one of the most intense and insane like segments in any movie I've seen mm-hmm. in a long time. Um, with his flaming corpse, like catching the house on fire and her like basically using the same like self suffocation trick to like see God or whatever and see where her baby is and go and save her baby. Um, and then ultimately at the funeral for the husband, she's taken the children back in as their mother and she's kind of like shell shocked and, um, it's left in question as to whether or not they are directly responsible for the death of the father. Although earlier in the movie, they're a hundred percent directly responsible for sending one of their co, um, one of their classmates into a coma. Um, by pushing him down a hill, basically, and like, I I think like beating him with rocks is what's implied that happened, but they never exactly say. Um, so it's a really it's it's an interesting movie because it's borderline a horror movie, um, but not a hundred percent a horror movie. It's more of a psychological thriller, I guess, and tackles the really like kind of um uncomfortable question of can you can you harm a child can you kill a child um what are children capable of um but i don't know i thought the i i thought those two kids were amazing in it i agree um it's really rare when you get children who can perform in a way that's not like grating or um cloying or whatever mm-hmm. And these kids do a good job here. Um, I was really invested in the mother and the father. Like, I like those characters a lot. Even when I thought those characters were, like, complete assholes at times. Like, I was really interested in them as people. Um, I love stuff filmed in the Spanish countryside. Like, it's one of the reasons why I love uh, Devil's Backbone so much. Um, and it kind of, that kind th- this reminded me of a combination of, like, Vera Diana and that. Um, <laughs> that's, and- that's so funny. Do you, do you know that the woman who plays like the headmistress like at the orphanage um is Francisco Robal's daughter? No, oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's funny. That's interesting. Yeah. But it felt like that. You know, it looked like a combination of Viridiana and um Devil's Backbone and like just the setting and the house and the area around the house mm-hmm. and Yeah. Um and I thought that it was really well directed and I thought it was well paced and I like the ambiguous nature of the ending um where if you don't know if it's just like circumstance or uh you know more nefarious reasons as to why um he, he's dead yeah or if it's his own fault just for being like a drunken asshole so yeah well they 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 tell her the he was struck by lightning, right? So it's like, um, the film like visually implies that he was struck right. by lightning too. Yeah, right. I see. I I'm convinced that I. So I enjoyed this overall. Like I I, I thought that again. Like there's like pieces of it that drug at times, but I thought it was really well directed. It had good atmosphere. It was everybody. All the performances are good, but yeah, you're right. Like usually, like um kids performances can be pretty poor and i thought these kids did a really good job um with this even though i joked off air that the one looks like um uh, pete davidson um 
uh he's a weird looking kid like i mean like he and like uh, especially with making him like more like an albino like it, it definitely like looks odd um and i think like i think there's just enough i don't like strange creepy kid movies so much um overall like when that's the plot like full plot and i thought this was really well done and i thought it was like a good um this and the next movie are like really good like subversions or like you know uh evolutions or something of the subgenres um and i thought this did something different and unique like both with the kids and the situation and the circumstances um and with the ending as well because i'm firmly convinced that like this was just a thing that happens and it was her kind of like inability it's like her inability to deal with these kids and then like they didn't sneak out of the orphanage this was just something that happened um and the guy just got struck by lightning and died and you're led to think that it's these kids and stuff like that and it's really not these are just like kind of like in some ways like kind of like abused kids in the sense of like having their head filled with like you know these wild ideas and then putting them loose in the world and then they have to learn to interact with the world with these ideas in their head and it leads them to do crazy fucked up things yeah um so i think there's like a double there's like double biz uh there's like a double double element of horror here in the sense of like these children trying to learn how to interact with the world and this like you know fake narrative of like her being terrified of these children thinking that there's something like really wrong with them or something like that and and there's not um so yeah i i, I enjoyed it overall like i said like i thought the drug at times but it, it was good and i think it was worth watching i don't understand why it is at such a low audience score like you said like that doesn't surprise you oh no, no not at why, all why why do you say that any any time a movie does not i I think of it as the inception protocol. Like people like to feel like they're like discovering things in a movie. As long as at some point the movie implicitly tells them what they're supposed to think. Mm -hmm. But if, if a movie doesn't implicitly tell them that this is what, you know, this is the ending, this is the answer, whatever, then people kind of like tune it out and, Oh, I didn't like that. Oh, it didn't make any sense, even if... Because this movie can make sense in multiple ways, right? Like, you can definitely take this for whatever you want. And I think it works, like, either way, as a, you know, just kind of a meditation on loss and the randomness of life, or like a more sinister look at, um, you know the insidious nature of religion or like whatever there's a lot of things that you could look at this movie as and i think that if i think a lot of people if you're not telling them what they want to know in the movie they're not 100 percent like interested yeah <clears throat> and i don't yeah. always like ambig- ambiguity either but i think yeah i think it depends right like you know that in especially in horror movies like i'm i'm a fan of ambiguous endings and yeah. surrealism too, and I think there's a lot of really good. Sure. Um, like I'm pretty sure this dude is influenced by Buñuel at least to some degree. Yeah, and that's probably not even like a bold statement because uh, so many people are because um, mm-hmm. he's so good. But 
anyway, so yeah, I just really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I thought I I think it's worth watching definitely, especially if you have Netflix like right now. Um, like, uh, it's another talent, right? I mean, he, I think this is his first again feature, maybe. Um, this guy, um, Ruben Rubenstein, um, <laughs> he um. I made a joke off air that Rubenstein is a sandwich assembled from many other sandwiches. <laughs> uh, like he doesn't. Uh, yeah, I looked him. That's right. I looked him up on Indeed, which I'm not. I don't have pulled up right now. But yeah, this is like his first feature. Um, he's been like kind of like talked about from his shorts though. Was like one of the top ten like Hispanic filmmakers to watch and stuff like that though. I know. So, uh, yeah, definitely like a good debut. So, um. Uh, and then you, your next movie on the list, number three, uh, is is you two for two, um, with the with the Spanish uh language horror movies with me because I yeah. really like this one as well, um, even more so I think. Uh, Usara the Bone Woman from two thousand and twenty two stars um Michelle Garcia Cervera, uh Natalia Solania. Solian, um, Alfonso de Sol, Myra Batalla, um, and Mercedes Hernandez has a 97% from critics and a 62% from audiences. Uh, so you want to tell us a little bit about this one and uh, why I made the list? Um, so Valeria and Raul are a young Nulua couple, very similar to Tina Tina. Um, Valeria is newly pregnant. Uh, so there's a lot of excitement, especially from Raul, who's really pumped to be a dad. Um, she's a, she's an artist, um, so she's making all of the babies like things like the crib and stuff. Um, there's an interesting dichotomy where um, his family is very excited, but also not super accepting of her necessarily. Um, and you gradually through the course of the movie, it's revealed like kind of things about her past that I guess it doesn't really explain, but sort of like shows why they're not like super into her. Um, but also she has some reservations too, especially like as her body starts to change. And one of the ways that those changes are represented are in her seeing this creature, um, that's a Mexican folklore um creature that's this woman with broken bones that moves in like a weird like skittering fashion um which to me is i wouldn't say the weakest part of the movie but it's the most trite part of the movie like i think every other part of the movie works much better than like that small element of it Mm -hmm. um even like the scenes where you hear noise and you think that the bone woman is in the house with valeria or like is creeping past her but then will show her like i think that's much more effective than the scenes where they show her like crawling around or whatever hmm. um you find out that valeria was a lesbian prior to meeting raul um and in a relationship with a, another young woman um and they had this promise of running away to the mountains and kind of like living off the land and being like artists together um that valeria got cold feet and ran away from um so as her kind of like doubts towards motherhood grow and her really um, separation from her husband sort of 
um, she kind of goes back to this old relationship with the Octavia character. Um, they rekindle their relationship with each other, like their physical relationship with each other. Um, although Valeria is more or less just using Octavia to kind of hide herself from her own fear of like impending motherhood. Um, after her baby's born, it kind of we we've talked about this before. Like, there's a Harry Knowles quote about um inland empire and schizophrenia Mm -hmm. um and i in a lot of ways feel like this is maybe the equivalent of that with postpartum depression Mm -hmm. so again this is a fat middle-aged white man um Mm -hmm. waxing about something (laughs) that he cannot possibly know anything about so very similar Mm -hmm. um but i really feel like it's you know because the baby (laughs) is like the baby's cry is unsettling to her and she starts to detach from reality. Yeah. Um, you know, she, what is she leaves the baby and like puts the baby in the refrigerator or something, I guess at one point. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been a couple months since yeah. I watched this movie. Um, while she's passed out on the couch. So the baby's like hurt. Um, and eventually wants to like leave her, her family like wants to leave the baby in the care of Raul because she knows that she can't take care of her um and, and just kind of like leave and it's not even like establish whether she's going to go back to her life with Octavia and actually I think it's kind of like really implied that there's no chance of that happening because Octavia sees her as sort of a like really realizes that she's using her mm-hmm. um and all this is done on the backdrop of um kind of like a pseudo like exorcism from these witches um, to get the bone woman spirit away from Valeria. So, and I think it's all a really good metaphor for just the uncertainty of motherhood and the changes that a woman's body goes through during pregnancy and afterwards. And, you know, what can happen in terms of like, you know, the, the postpartum depression that can set in after you've had a child. Um, I really like the fact that it's not played for how to say this like nothing in this movie is taken for granted or done just to um like they don't paint Raul as like a caricature right like he's not like a bad father or a bad husband you know he's not he's constantly like still trying to like look out for her and be there for and but he's also trying to look out for his his child um and she's not painted as like a lech or um like an adulteress really she's just a confused she's confused and sad and i think there's a lot to be said for um just how well like the actors play these roles and how well like the script like allows them to just be real people yeah and to me like i think the horror element of it is probably not 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 the weakest thing but one of the least important elements of it and it's more the it's a good it's a good device within the context of the relationship of these two and the complexity of being like a new parent and the idea of like leaving your life behind um and I don't think that it's like I, I think this movie would have been effective without like that supernatural element to it. 
um i I, but i like the supernatural element i just think that like it's a great movie without it too so yeah Yeah, i i think beyond just definitely after the child was born um those elements like come into play i was really interested as i really really like this movie a lot i think it's really good and i i i think leading up like while she's pregnant is just as important as after the child is born where you start seeing how people start treating her differently um as she's like lost control of her identity and like she's lost control of her body and she's lost control of her identity um and basically it's like she's taken on the role by becoming pregnant taken on the role of mother and you see how he won't he's so protective of the baby that he won't have sex with her um and people start treating her differently because she's expecting um and now she's not a person anymore she's now mother like um because she's caring and then when the baby's born she even more so becomes because now she's like you know has this thing that's dependent upon her and she's even with a physical baby she's even more seen as mother and she has no control over her own life anymore. Right. And you get this impression that maybe she never wanted to have children um, in some ways. Like, you know, mm. or, like that she was reluctant. I think, I think she was in love with the idea of being a mother without understanding the reality of right. being a mother. Sure. Uh, yes. I, 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 think, I think she wanted to have that baby. Like, I believe that that's, that's true. And um what is so there's a really interesting like minor thread that goes through this movie in terms of her smoking and him not really wanting her to smoke but him also like being cool enough where he's not going to really be a dick about it and like tell her like oh you can't smoke Mm -hmm. and just like the release that she gets the few times that she especially there's the one scene where she has a cigarette um after she freaks out um during the dinner party yeah um that it's like a cathartic release for her but it's still not enough to like really i don't know whatever like put her at ease or anything and it's just i don't well right because it's like what in in her mind it's like what is it what Auden call it um makeshift consolation it's like that that is a one thing that she can do that gives her agency still yeah she can make that choice to go ahead and smoke that cigarette and I, I think a lot of the whole like bone woman concept and everything is her subconscious. Like it doesn't happen until she gets that positive test, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, that's when it starts and it's her, I think it's her subconscious and her doubts and like all those things that are like, you know, and then like the idea of like organs shifting around and bones breaking is right. what's done to your body. Like, you know, during all that. And the, I think all that stuff's really, really fascinating. And I think that, the way that she tells the story because she wrote it as well i believe um and uh the way that she like films this and again yeah the actors are great and everything but i i'm really uh severa i'm really impressed with her as as a as a writer and director here and um uh, another person that i'll definitely watch the next thing that they have because i think she's someone who you should be on the lookout for in terms of like what i think make really good movies which is when that text and that subtext kind of you know line up and um and i think this is something that is um real art and um does it pretty well like in a horror context so 
Yeah, I agree. Oh. It definitely recommended free on Shutter right now if you subscribe. Yeah, it's another Shutter exclusive. So, um, all right. So number two on your list, uh, another horror movie here, 2022's The Outwaters. Um, it is directed and primarily stars Robbie Banfitch. Um, but also stars Angela Basilis, Michelle May, and Scott Shamel. Uh, has a 73% from critics and a 45% from audiences. So you want to tell us a little bit about this one and why I made the list? It's funny because this is one that I would actually not have been surprised if it was another 15% from audiences. <laughs> right, right. Um, well, I did like capture that number like, you know, six days ago. So um, it could be lower. <laughs> yeah, who knows? As more people watch, it's it's free on uh, Shutter right now. Or no, it's free on Fandor or Screenbox. One Screenbox. Of the- Screenbox is where it's free. Yeah. yeah. I had to run it. But... Um, so this is another found footage horror movie. Uh, it's a very simple premise. In, in um, this guy is going out to the desert to help his friend um, shoot a music video for like her music. Um, they're going out to the Mojave to do it. Um, they take uh, his brother and his brother's girlfriend. I guess is what it is. Yeah. Um, and then basically, like everything goes to shit. Um, they sort of get sucked into, I guess, get sucked into an alternate reality is a better way to put it. Um, through some mystical occurrence in the Mojave, um, and then he's stuck both like out of reality and out of time. Um, and then there's just a lot of noise and color <laughs> and darkness, flashes and of imagery, and, like yeah weird like penis snakes like coming <laughs> after people yeah. and giant monsters you only see like little portions of it's um lots of blood yeah a lot of blood, blood. <laughs> um doppelgangers like murdering your friends I, I don't know like it's it's definitely a movie that needs that it, it, it's an experience of a movie and yes. it's not there's not a whole lot of narrative structure to it but i think it's a really effective telling I think it's a companion piece to something like um, like Elder Gods or mm-hmm. um, probably more so a companion piece to um, um, shit, what the fuck's that movie called? I, I, I talked about it when I was talking about Elder Gods. Um, the other cosmic horror movie that anyway. It's mm-hmm. a really good cosmic horror um, fuck, what is that movie called? Why can't they... Are you talking about the movie from the early 2000s that we just talked about recently? The Void. It's not from the early 2000s. Oh, the, oh, the Void. Oh, okay. I thought you were... Okay. Not, 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 not Kill List. Reminds me a lot of The Void in the sense of, like, right. reality, like, this alternate, like, hell dimension bleeding into our dimension, and then, like, the reversal of that, where you get sucked to it. But whereas The Void is a much more, like clean narrative like this is you're stuck inside it which i think they do pretty brilliantly and um there's some really uncomfortable like body body horror stuff in this movie especially mm-hmm. with self-mutilation yeah um but i think it's really effective i think that it's um it's a lonesome movie like it makes you feel for him like being stranded and alone um it's a claustrophobic movie at times um just really really well done um, i was incredibly i had read about this movie a couple months ago i guess it was um maybe a south by southwest or something 
Um, and I thought it sounded super interesting and then I kind of forgot about it. And it was one of those ones where I thought about renting it a couple weeks ago, but then I didn't. And then all of a sudden it was on Screenbox, and I was like, okay, like, fuck it. I'm just going to watch it. I'll just subscribe to Screenbox and watch it. And I was really impressed. Um, especially for, again, being a movie that really has like four characters and, and all honesty, it only has like one and a half characters. Yeah. Um, and really doesn't give you anything to like latch on to, but I feel like that's the effective portion. Like you, you have to watch this movie in the dark. I think you have to watch it where there's no like other outside sounds like interfering where you just hear the sound of this movie. And I think it's an incredibly effective experience and um, I'm really excited to see like what else this guy does. So. Yeah. Um, there's not a ton to say about this, like you said, because there it's, it's an experience. Um, and some people just don't enjoy that experience, which is why it's at a 45%. Uh, it, I, I can understand where it's a little, um, maybe grading for some people. Um, it wasn't for me. I was engaged the entire time after the actual, like kind of unreality stuff starts. Um, my only complaint about this movie, you can imagine is like the first, uh, what, 25 minutes or so, like, um, because it's like this is definitely one where it's like the characters don't matter once they get into the unreality i know you got to have some build up but i really don't think any of it matters um with those other characters until you get onto the desert it's just the premise for getting them out there um so where it's like gotta have some movie in your movie right um yeah, they're they're trying to tell me story for a story that doesn't matter. But it's like I think the horror elements of this, like once he gets out there, and I un- somebody called it, uh, uh, what did I tell you, sound horror or something like that. And I, yeah. while I don't agree with it, I it's like I find it an interesting concept because there is a lot of this that's about sound, like in how sound becomes important since it is so it's out in the dark most of the time. But I think they use the minimal light that they have with the flashlight really well. Um, uh, and, and and very logically, as I was watching it, like it made sense, like why the light was where it was at different points. Um, so I thought they really thought that stuff through. And um, yeah, I, I think people should just watch it and, and see what they think. Um, it's not going to be for everybody. What's that one movie that you watch and I still haven't watched yet that was like on Shutter, Frank, that like... It's just like watching almost like a home film or something like that, like that everybody was like raving over being so creepy. Skinnery? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I've seen a couple of people like, for some reason, I don't know why, comparing it to that movie. Um, I guess I kind of get it just from what I know about Skinnery, but a little bit. Uh, this feels, this does feel to me like a companion piece to uh elder gods that you were or older gods that you were talking about sure yeah um Uh like i i feel like i feel like those two movies could also it could be in the same universe just in different parts of the the globe right like you know um these kind of portals into this like you know lovecraftian hell and yeah i think this is um really effective and i think it's worth watching even if you ultimately don't like it um it's something different and slightly new in the found footage genre so yeah agreed i really enjoyed it 
All right. Um, and then number one on your list is uh, the oldest movie on the list, 2017's Ingrid Goes West, currently on HP. Sorry, on Max. Um, it is directed by Matt Spicer. It stars Aubrey Plaza, Elizabeth Olsen, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Wyatt Russell, and Billy Magnuson. It has an 85% from critics, 71% from audiences. So you want to tell us a little bit about this movie and why it's number one on your list? Uh, so Aubrey Plaza plays Ingrid, who is a... Uh, I thought you were just going to start with Aubrey Plaza when I asked why it's number one on your list. But... Oh, well, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. It's number one. I mean, I think that we, we've talked about my hesitance to watch Arrested Development a lot because I... Or not Arrested Development, I'm Curb Your Enthusiasm. Um, because I'm not a huge fan of being made uncomfortable by television. Um, and it's not necessarily uncomfortable in like, cause I can watch like somebody get murdered or stalked or like other uncomfortable things. It's like someone being in a situation that's feels like it could potentially be real and watching them struggle through it or right. waiting for them to get like their comeuppance as they struggle through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what this movie is. So Aubrey Plaza plays Ingrid. Um, she's a woman who was committed to, I guess, a mental institution for a while, um, because she sort of went crazy. She was obsessed with this girl and maced the girl at her own wedding and ended up like having to get committed. Um, Ingrid's mother has passed away and left her a very large sum of money, um, through her will. Um, so Ingrid becomes enamored with this, um, instagram influencer and decides to travel west to kind of make like number one get a break from her previous life number two try and meet this woman which she um she does like through her machinations like she becomes friends with this woman um that's the elizabeth olsen character who's an influencer um She's a photographer and a social media like Maven. Her husband is a painter. Um, They kind of live this like beautiful life in Beverly Hills. Um, And Ingrid uses her kind of manipulation to work her way into that life. Um, She also rents a house from uh, the O'Shea Jackson character, who's a um, wannabe screenwriter, Batman aficionado. Yeah. drug user and occasional drug seller right um so anyway so ingrid kind of takes advantage of him to get in like uses him so she can ingratiate herself with the olsen character um taylor uh taylor's brother comes um that's billy magnuson right and he um instantly takes a dislike to ingrid i'm calling her olga the whole time um and eventually realizes that she is manipulating Ingrid, or she is, like, manipulating the truth to, like, get close to Ingrid. Um, blackmails her, where then Ingrid and... Um, there's on there's a relationship that's built between O'Shea Jackson and the Aubrey Plaza character, um, which seems genuine. Like, there's mm-hmm. genuine affection there. Yeah. But it, again, is Ingrid kind of, like, manipulating that just yeah. so she has um O'Shea Jackson as her quote-unquote boyfriend that she can bring around um they end up kidnapping uh Taylor's brother it goes wrong 
um dan dan pinto that's the issue jackson character yeah. he gets um hospitalized as a result um ingrid buys the house next to taylor's house and um, joshua tree with her remaining money when she can't afford to pay the bills um she ends up having kind of a psychotic break on halloween night um where she attempts to commit suicide live on instagram um and then ends up waking up in the hospital and realizing that um dan is still there for her and her one moment of honesty as she was like attempting suicide has made her kind of an internet celebrity so um saying that doesn't necessarily sound like maybe the most original movie although i don't know i really found it to be yeah it is i think to some degree it's it's a it's a fresh very fresh coat of paint if, if nothing else I think there's plenty of movies that would take the Aubrey Plaza character and make her not the villain, but the butt of the joke of the movie. And I I don't think that's the case here. I think it's a very sympathetic look at actual mental illness. And one of the most heartbreaking and like, I don't know, like effective moments of the movie is towards the end where um or you know where where ingrid is like about to take the pills and she's confessing to her audience of instagram followers i've never been myself this is the only time that you'll ever see me like really be honest about things you know i know i have problems i can't help myself i wish i could i hate who i am it's like it's very um um very heartfelt and very sad Mm mm-hmm and then, like, the, you know, the her in the hospital afterwards is, it, it's really, like, cathartic. But I love the fact that, like, they let Plaza give this character, like, a real life and a real energy. And I I, I think Aubrey Plaza is one of the greatest, like, young actresses in Hollywood and her ability yeah. to really just invest herself in so many different characters where, like... I didn't think that Life After Beth was a good movie, but I thought that she was great in it. Mm-hmm. And that character is so much different than April Ludgate, who's so much different than Ingrid. You look at um The Little Hours, which is like the weird um, pseudo-sexual witch comedy that she was in. She's completely different in that. I mean, I, I just, I, I really like her Earlier ability. this year in January, you had Emily the Criminal on the list. Yeah, great. different in that, right? Great movie where she's just very down-to-earth and believable. I just, I, I like her ability to both be um, manic and, like, hyper hyperactive and mellow and just human, like, all the time. And it's a really, um really, like, put on display here um olsen is fine in this movie i kind of think she just sort of serves her purpose um yeah. although she really does kind of become the villain in the last like 20 minutes um magnuson is hilarious as her like scumbag yes um continent hopping younger brother mm-hmm. um i yeah. i i i think o'shea jackson has a really bright future as an actor like i really love his delivery and again just his i mean he really is very similar to his father in a lot of ways in the way that he um 
comes across. Um, and the guy that plays the the husband, I thought did a good job too, but I don't remember what his name was. Um, it's Wyatt Russell. It's uh Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell's son, who oh. I actually think gave a really also gave like a really kind of quiet, um, strong performance in this. Um, as the husband, and yeah. uh, he's I've seen him in a couple other like small things on television, and um, I I think he has a, a decent future at least ahead of him as well. Um. But yeah, I agree with you on Jackson. I think he's um I think I think he'll go places probably. Um for a number of different reasons. But I think he has talent. Yeah. yeah, it's a movie that I had had on my watch list for a while. Um and just never pulled the trigger on and I just decided, you know, randomly, like, hey, you know, I'm gonna watch this movie. Very pleasantly surprised. Um I I haven't watched an Aubrey Plaza movie that I haven't like at least really appreciated her performance in. Um, and most of the time I think that they're really good movies. So I think that she does a good job of like picking the right role for herself. Um, yeah. But yeah, entertaining, heartfelt, and interesting look at um, how we view celebrity in the modern yeah. age, I think, and how social media like has can have kind of like uh, both positive and negative impact on people's lives. Like, I like the fact that it's not just a black and white look at, like, oh, you know, influencers are bad and social media is bad and this is, like, what's ruining society. Like, it's very, very open-ended to that respect because Emily does find friendship through it and she does find, like, acceptance through it. And I don't know. I just think yeah. it's, or not, not Emily, I'm sorry, Ingrid. Ingrid, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty, I think, honestly, it's pretty honest, like, a clear look at mental illness and how mental illness can interact with social media um and i think that's what's so telling about that ending i think it's what makes it so strong is like the reaction that she receives like once she wakes up like on social media is how many people like find her um relatable (laughs) i think you see the hope of her having a real relationship with um right sure with dan pinto somebody that didn't leave right Um, (laughs) the screw the screenwriter for the next batman movie yes right uh, yeah i think if uh, i mean obviously this is the one like non-horror that's on this list but um i think this is like a pretty if to me it's like if i think this might be like the like maybe probably like the most uh safe movie on this list in the sense of like if you're going to watch any of these movies out of these like five movies it's like it's probably this one's the safest to watch and i think just watch a really solid movie um it's always weird with these fresh fries uh since there's more horror on this one i watch a lot more at night because i tend to watch horror at night a lot of times but um a lot of times with the fresh five i i watch a lot of them during the day um and this was another daytime viewing and when i watch things during the day it's very possible that i pause and finish it at night and then sometimes like a movie grabs me um this happened with like Phantom Thread, I remember, and like, mm. you know, a number of other ones, like where I start watching during the day, like with plans to like, oh, I'll watch part of it now and then finish it tonight. And it's like, I just watched it like straight through, like, because it just gripped me and it just, just moves, it's solid pacing. 
there's enough dark humor that it keeps you like laughing as the plot unfolds and there's some like you said strong performances in it so it's like it kind of goes back and forth like ebbs and flows with like drama and like you know tragedy and like you know uncomfortableness and like clear dark humor and like um and it just keeps going it just i think sucks you in um and i think it's a really safe pick in the sense of like saying like if you're gonna watch any of these i would say watch this one especially if you're not a fan of horror but um really yeah. solid movie really solid movie yeah great movie yeah. okay um i did just want to before we go quickly uh i did some research i should probably be a better t- two guys historian but um the uh the first fresh five was back in 2019 and you are correct. Clovich Killer was on that list. Do you remember anything else that was on that list? I just gave you one of them, actually, by accident. Was it, is Waves? Was that on that list? No, Waves is on there. Phantom Thread was. That I just oh. mentioned it because of. I don't remember anything else from that list. The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. Oh, weird. Yeah. Well, you want to talk about it, um, because that's it had been like so long gestating. Um, Angst. Oh, I forgot we had that on a fresh five. Yeah, great movie. Yeah, and really good. Three women. Oh yeah, three um, women's amazing. Yeah, three women was cheating because I had seen three women before. I just wanted to talk about it. Nah. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, well, thank you for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with the top five horror movies of 2006. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, six. Um, and then we will be back uh, after that with uh, the continuation of the Summer of Steel. So thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good week. Deuces. <laughs>